Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Big Blend Radio's second Wednesday books and authors show. Uh, this is a show we do with our friends over at Books Forward. And if you're an author, I encourage you to go to their website, booksforward.com. Today, you know, we're having four shows or four different podcasts celebrating new books. And uh, I'm excited because we have award-winning Florida author Ginger Penholster joining us on the show today to talk about her new novel, Snakes of St. Augustine. Now, so, you know, St. Augustine is America's oldest city. And her book is out now. It came out yesterday. And uh, she's going to be talking about how stolen snakes, a missing person, set off a chain of events that gets crazy. Her book starts off crazy. And um, she's got a friend joining us with her today. So welcome, Ginger. How are you? Thank you so much, Lisa. I appreciate this opportunity. It's a pleasure to speak with you. And yes, I'm here with Lemony Stitches who is my sweet little ball python. He is an ambassador for the book, Snakes of St. Augustine, and also for his species. And he helps me talk about the importance of inclusiveness and belonging and compassion, which is an underlying theme of my novel. I love this because, you know, when you think about snakes, they're a symbol of medicine and health, right? And even your book cover, the first thing I thought was that that reminds me of that, you know, the serpent and the little crossy thing that happens in medicine, whatever it's called. And so your your book cover goes with that. And I know we also are going to be talking about mental uh, health and uh, mental wellness. How about that? Right. Absolutely. I thought Regal House Publishing did a fantastic job with that cover. I love Mm -hmm. it. Um, Yes. And so the book is, I like to describe it as an unconventional love story served up with a large side of Florida weirdness. By Florida weirdness, I mean, of course, it's full of stolen snakes, malevolent jesters, uh, a dolphin bat wielding arcade owner, a TikTok fitness celebrity. Um, and these are these actors are all playing their parts against a backdrop of both old Florida, the sort of really dense saw palmetto jungle, Florida and uh, Disney, Florida. So the kitschy oh. tourist areas. Um, but the underlying theme is about. Um, how we all have differences and those people who have neurological differences and particular mental health issues tend to be subjected to discrimination and stigma that marginalizes them. Mm. Yeah. You know, and I love the fact that you bring in snakes and I know you're a turtle lady and we're going to talk about that too, but um, because wildlife is part of it and crime, well, crime does happen. Um, You know, We've done so many shows on things like addiction and um, crime. Um, and our family did did live in, we still have family in Florida and have gone through some things there um, in regards to mental health. In fact, my uncle was murdered in Florida from a person who was suffering mental health, but we didn't know. We didn't know about, he didn't know when he hired him that there was criminal background checks. He just was very trusting human being, but the guy ended up bailing to Mexico. It was a crazy story. It was the largest industrial shooting in the country at the time. So it was a very, so you know, hard. and it, and it's really hard. And even talking about it, it's very hard because, well, it's family. Um, but the person who did it had mental health issues. And 
it's a very hard thing to for victims to go, okay, this is a mental health issue. And this person really needs help when at the same time he killed two people. So it's, and, and kidnapped his own kid from the mother and bailed to Mexico. And then it took 10 years. Thank you. America's most wanted. It was actually the ones who actually got him. Yeah. Um, anyway, so it's, it's, you know, just kind of ties in just, it was a Florida story. So I brought that up on that, but, and Florida is crazy, right? Florida is, (laughs) I love Florida. It, I love all of it. All of it is part of it and it's beautiful. And I think you're writing, you just get us in there immediately. Like this isn't normal. And I, I think Trina, the beginning, like this is her parents, you know, serpentarium and we'll get into all of that. But what was her serpentarium? But before what her parents did, right. you have like the old and new Florida, like you're talking about, but mm-hmm. going to the mental health for people to understand how broad it is and how much ends up in the crime bucket. I mean, that's a weird right, thing to right. say, well, but it could have been prevented. I'm really sorry for what happened to you and your family. Um, that's a horrible tragedy. Um, of course, we can't make generalizations, but um, the bigger theme that I'm writing about in this book is that um, vast majority of people who have these types of neurodiversity are not violent and not a um, mm-hmm. threat to others. SAMHSA, which is the um, Substance Abuse and Mental Health uh, Services Agency, you may get that acronym slightly wrong, says that only 3 to 5% of violent acts in America mm-hmm. can be attributed to people living with these kinds of conditions. But yet when we hear about one situation like that, it's pretty terrifying. And, um, you know, explains why people have fears of right. those who but, are different. Well, this guy that, that did it was fired and he just went and got a gun and came back in mm-hmm. and shot people in the back, you know, and he was off of his meds. And so there's this other side of it. And I bring it up in that um, there's that and then understanding, like I was saying, so many interviews we've done over why people are homelessness and there's traumatic issues that bring people into a mental health side, right? Traumatic issues in their life, um, abuse that is emotional, physical, all kinds of things that happen that actually feed into that. And then there's just, Hey, this is chemistry, right? And, and I, you're talking about the neuro side. So I want to talk about that a little bit because that's something people may not really understand a little bit of. And, I just want empathy on all of it is my point. Like from, yes, this, yes. from this small 3% to the extreme, because even when I'm talking, like my mom, who's normally on the shows, she would normally, you know, she, it's hard for her to swallow because that's her brother. Right. Absolutely. But yeah, but it's, yeah. And and this book absolutely acknowledges that fear is understandable. It also, I did want to make the point. It's also not anti law enforcement at all, mm-hmm. um, but presents a very sympathetic view for those officers who are having to deal with these extremely uh, dangerous, unpredictable, intense circumstances, often without sufficient tools or training or personnel. So it's looking at that phenomenon as well as the um, phenomenon of somebody who's not violent but does have neurodiversity and is living kind of on the fringe of our society. Can you explain what neurodiversity is? So that term is very all-encompassing. It just simply means neurological difference. And so that could be everything from a mental health condition to 
autism to um, Down syndrome and so forth. Okay, so now why do you bring snakes into the picture? I like, I want to get into that because, um, and, and talk about the actual story too, because it is, it's a wild ride. I love that you bring all these things. We're the big blend. So, you know, we love these kinds of things yeah. because yeah. things are connected. And you're one of those people who really get that everything's connected and it, you can't really generalize. Yeah. Well, the title's a metaphor. Um, it, um, is intended to make you think about the fact that there are 44 native species of snakes in Florida, and only six of them are venomous. And similarly, as I said, most of the people who have these neurodiverse conditions are do not have a propensity for violence. Um, some may, as you pointed out. Um, and I want people to think about the ways in which we're all similar rather than the ways that we're different. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and and snakes, uh, bringing up snakes. I know that I want to talk about turtles, but the snakes and the serpentarium. Talk a little bit about this because you also have a woman, Trina, who's running this, and her parents had one of those tacky kind of roadside places, right, right. That I hate. Sorry, but I really hate <laughs> yes, those right. things. Like, it's like them, Tony, right? Tony, the tiger in Louisiana. You know what I mean? All of that. We don't. We don't like. That's not cool for. Mm-hmm. The critters, right? No, not at all. And there used to be quite uh, a lot of that in Florida, as you know. Um, So, for instance, in Silver Springs State Park, which is a beautiful blue spring, not not far Mm. from where I live in Ocala, they have this huge um, population of of monkeys um, because there used to be a very kitschy um, roadside attraction there that involved monkeys, which escaped and then proliferated over the decades. Um, And in the book, uh, one of the characters, Trina Lee Dean, has a serpentarium, such as the one that is located not far from me and I think Deland. Um, and she mm-hmm. has uh, taken her parents' old um, roadside uh, zoo, reptile zoo, and turned it into a conservation and education um, entity. So she's attempting to do something good with the serpentarium. But she is at a point in her life where she can't keep up with it anymore. She needs some help to mm-hmm. do all the work there that needs to be done. And so part of the plot line is that she's going to find that community that um, will help her. Well, I love this, too, because you've got a woman running this, which people wouldn't think of women and snakes. <laughs> yeah. The same. It's kind of, you know, they always think, oh, it's the guy doing this. And I grew up in, in, uh, South Africa and Kenya. And, um, so there were serpentariums, but a lot of them kind of that same gimmicky kind of thing. And, um, I, I laughed in the book because you were talking about where she was saying, like, you know, getting bitten so many times, making rookie mistakes. And I was laughing because there, there are people that are snake handlers there. And they're just covered in scars. And in, in South Africa, Kenya, you're talking about boom slongs and mambas. I mean, you're dead in like five seconds to sure. five minutes kind Not of thing. Not a joke, right. No. Well, you got caught in mouths. And I remember the first snake I saw within the first week of when we got back to this country was in Florida in Port St. Lucie. And we were we moved to this little place, out like a little cottage um, on the Indian River and the first thing, boom, here comes this big black snake. And I'm going, oh, my God, it looks like a mom, but it's going, you know, it wasn't. It was just a racer kind of. Right, like a black racer. racer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, and then a coral snake. And it was a true coral snake. And I'm like, oh, it's so beautiful. And my immediate 
brain from Africa was like, the more beautiful, you better run. <laughs> and I think probably, you too. know, yeah. Of course, yeah. so many of us don't know the difference between a lovely, harmless scarlet king snake and a harlequin coral snake, which is very famous. Um, yeah, and so it's Beautiful. best just not to touch any wild yeah. snake at all. Yeah, <laughs> and so I remember going like, "Oh my god." Look at it. Look at it. So beautiful. But so you handle snakes. So how have you always had snakes in your life? No, I got this one when I was uh, doing revisions on snakes of St. Augustine because I had um, you know, serpents on the brain, I guess. And I had always wanted one and I was a little worried about whether I could care for it properly. But this has been a breeze. All pythons are a great pet snake. And then I also so have. Do you, um, do you have a connectivity with them, which I think a lot of people will go, oh, they're cold blooded. They don't have emotion or connectivity, which I would kind of really argue, but. Yeah, absolutely. Lemony's my little emotional support snake for sure. And I also have two uh, Florida box turtles. You're allowed in Florida cool. have two uh, box turtles. All of these pets are responsibly captive bred, by the way. I would not buy them from a pet store. But yeah. they were part of um, rehab and conservation programs. Oh, okay. Very cool. So the turtles, talk a little bit about your work with you being a turtle mama. That's what I'm going to call you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I'm very privileged to be a part of the Lucia Turtle Patrol here where I live in Pontsonlet. And um, I work for a woman named Beth Leibert. She's been the head of this organization for about 40 years. Um, and the point is that we roll up and down the beach every morning at the crack of dawn and look for turtle tracks. When we find a nest, we stake it out, create a, a protective barrier for it so that people won't drive their cars over it, which you can do here in Daytona Beach, <laughs> yeah. or um, otherwise um, molest the nest. Um, and then after the babies emerge, after the hatchlings run to the sea, three days later, we go back and excavate the nest so that we can assess reproductive success. Those data help conservation scientists develop best practices and policies. So it's a lot of fun. So you're a citizen scientist. Yeah. This is cool. Mm -hmm. So did did that help you write the snakes of St. Augustine? Oh, absolutely. I just love herpetology. I love critters of all kinds. I'm sure being from Africa, you feel the same way. Um, and yeah, I, I, I really got into the setting of this book. It, I wanted it to be deeply immersive. Um, so to engage all five senses, which I think a lot of Southern fiction does that. Um, oh, I, and, I love Southern fiction. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's the best. So, yeah. And yeah. Now you've got the mystery in here and you said it in St. Augustine, not Daytona. It's not too far from you, but tell us a little bit about that. And you've got a missing person. So let's yes. bring the snakes and the missing person. How does Together. that all connect? Okay. okay. Yeah. The it's, snake did not swallow the man. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's, um, it's a braided plot. So meaning there are a couple of different storylines that eventually intertwine. Um, and so it begins with um, the state snakes being stolen from the Serpentarium, from Trina Lee Dean's uh, Serpentarium, as you mentioned. Um, and at the same time, a troubled young man named Gethin has gone missing. Um, and his sister, Serena, is desperate to find Gethin before he gets himself into trouble or gets himself killed. Um, and... Meanwhile, this burnout cop named Fletch Jeffries is looking for the snakes because he's a friend of Trina's. Um, and these two storylines eventually, as I said, um, become entangled. And everybody, all of the characters are on a dangerous collision course in the end. 
time. So, so they yeah. all are brought together by this crisis of Gethin's neurodiversity and stolen snakes and the search for all of, all of them. Yeah, I had to let you do this. Otherwise, I would be the big spoiler alert. I'm not allowed. I'm <laughs> okay. not allowed. But Thanks. no, no, I, I think this is really cool. And how did you get started in writing, too? I mean, that's that's the other thing, because this isn't your first round around, you know, roundabout with yeah. this. So yeah. they, or they say rodeo, but I, I say. Well, roundabout. I'm a late bloomer, though, for sure. Um, I got my creative writing degree from Eckerd College in 1983. And... Um, and then I worked for many years in Washington, D.C. as a science writer and mm. went to graduate school um, toward the end of the time period in D.C. Went to graduate school at Queens uh, College, Queens University in Charlotte. Um, got my MFA. Mm. And so my graduate thesis is, is my first novel, which is called City in a Forest. And uh, that was set in Atlanta, and it was primarily... Mm inspired by those um, experiences of growing up there in the 1970s. Oh, in Atlanta. Is that, so that's where you're from? Yes. Atlanta. Yeah. Very and cool. When I was a teenager, interesting thing about Atlanta is that in the mid-70s, when I was a, right in the middle of my adolescent years, Atlanta became the fastest-growing urban settlement on the planet for a period wow. of time. And they lost an incredible amount of their tree canopy in a really short period of time and that kind of watching that transformation happen in real time really um became embedded in my brain and so mm. that's what the first novel is about is the disappearance of this pristine wilderness in the middle of the city that these two that's women amazing. are fighting to protect oh i love you know because we really tree equity is a is a really important thing. Um, we've done a, a few interviews with American Forests about tree equity, and you can go in on tree. I think it's treeequity.org, if I remember correctly. Type in your zip code and see what is your tree equity, and then they actually found that tree equity because it really helps um, um, in regards to climate change, mitigate mm-hmm. climate change, obviously mm-hmm. cleaning up our air. Providing shade, shelter for other, you know, wildlife, snakes included, birds and snakes and everything. Um, we, if we just actually put our trees back, we'd be a lot healthier. And that includes in neighborhoods and city parks and things. But by doing this map, what is turned out, and this is evidence based. This is not anything to argue about. This is genuine satellite imagery and input from different agencies yeah yeah um that um you could go in now and see it in your neighborhood and if you are an impoverished area you don't have trees like they put parks where the lottie dot people are you know we've got money we get parks and if you're black and you're on that side of the tracks you're not getting the parks and the trees and then we have a health situation asthma um not having, you know, the, the cooling and heating that trees provide mm-hmm. and it just goes on and on and on. So this is a health issue for us as human beings. Mm-hmm. And so that's what their goal is to stop that and start planting trees and working in communities to add trees where they need to be because it helps with health and for kids and everybody, right? right. Uh, so that's that big goal. So I, I love what you're saying there. And we go to Peachtree City every year. We love it out there. It's beautiful. There's lots of trees. In fact, I watched them fall down in a mini tornado. It was crazy. Oh, yikes. 
Yeah, yeah. I, love, I love that science is being applied to try and help address a social issue. That's a great yeah, example. and it seems that um, a lot of the issues are based, that environmental issues are based with social issues. And um, we're seeing more and more of that. And I love it when it's evidence-based, so it's not... Um, you, I mean, it is what it is. You can go count them yourself, you know, right. it's go from, yeah, mm-hmm. you can really go look and see. So um, that's an interesting thing that you've done that. And with this book too, bringing in snakes, are you hope, hoping people will um, understand snakes a little bit? I know we, we document parks and public lands as we travel full time across the country. And I'll put up a photo of a cro- uh, crocodile, an alligator. Well, <laughs> there's crocodiles in Florida. Um an alligator or like a tarantula or a snake and people freak out and you know, it, it's, you know. but some people have a legitimate phobia and yeah, you, sure. said, you know, that is totally understandable. I think it's probably hardwired in our brains and with good reason. Just like, yeah, it's a fight or flight, right? Yeah. Right. Just like it's totally understandable that if you see someone acting differently, you um, are afraid. And, but yes, I wanted to try and raise awareness for, um, the natural world and also for um, how we're more similar than different most of the time. The quote from the book that I like to use is is when my character Jazz, who is homeless and he's living in the park, um, walks by a mother and her child and they, they avert their eyes and keep walking. And the book says that he feels like a homeless, potentially dangerous ghost out of focus and waving around the edges. And that's talking about the sensation of being invisible um, and potentially dangerous because he's unhoused, because he has differences. So mm. again, I'm hoping that people who read the book will think again, um, just to be aware of um, their reactions to these kinds of circumstances and, and think mm. about the importance of community and inclusiveness. I think you do it in a really good way because you you get so immersed in the story. My that snake's you don't... escaping, Lisa. Let me get him. Uh-oh, <laughs> okay. uh-oh, the snake escaped. Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> Hello, little man. Um, but, yeah, the um, I think the way you're writing is not a, a pointing a finger. You allow people to get immersed immediately and get involved in the story and kind of make their own minds up. And I think that's important as a writer to not go, I want you to believe this because it can take 10 years when someone goes, Oh, something else triggered something and go, Oh yeah, I read this book and Oh, I got this. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody comes to a mindset at a different time. Yeah, totally agree. And you know, a novel fiction shouldn't be preaching at you or attempting to, Voiced any particular agenda on you. Um, so I was only trying to create real people um, and to demonstrate how their story played out. Um, because, you know, we all share in the human experience. And I think that um, that's what art should do, is should validate that you're part of these human experiences. Mm. Are you going to be traveling around with your books and snakes? bit a little bit yes going to jacksonville and orlando uh, i have my big book launch at the barnes and noble here in daytona beach on september 16th uh, awesome p.m yep looking forward to that um and i will be going to awp in kansas city and and Millie book uh festival um, in, uh, oh, awesome. January. Mm-hmm. awesome so have you heard any feedback about like um 
on the female perspective of running a, a serpentarium. Just, I want to know because I, again, I'm going back to that because it's so rare to hear about. Yet I know it happens. And even a thought of a serpentarium <laughs> is wild. Like just yeah. even that, that title, it's like, Oh yeah, that's what they call it. Like they do exist, you know, yeah, for sure. Um, you know what? You should visit the one in Deland sometime. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's so educational. And they are actually harvesting venom there on a regular basis to um, help create anti-venom. So it has a real medical um, role. But as far as the gender thing and herpetology, um, yeah, I think that that uh, stereotype is changing a bit. I think about Garden State Tortoise up in New Jersey. It's a fantastic facility run by a man and his wife. Um, and they live there with their two kids. And um, both of them are extremely knowledgeable and permitted to rehab and conserve all these different species of turtles, tortoises, uh, other kinds of reptiles. What I would like to ask you is um, the role, something, you know, with what we do, especially parks and, and wildlife is to explain the web of life and people go immediately, you know, I, and now I'm generalizing and I hate it, but there's that side that goes, kill it. It's a snake, kill it. And I go, no, no. You know, and if, if you're a gardener, you know, you want snakes for all kinds of reasons. And can you shed some light on that? Why human beings need snakes? Because yeah. I know they want to kill them. <laughs> yeah. Well, and even turtles, to... turtles and tortoises. Oh, I love <laughs> that. I don't understand. But the snake thing, I understand. If you look at surveys of what Americans are most um, frightened of, consistently snakes are right up there in the top three with Heights, public speaking, spiders. I've looked at a number of these lists. Interestingly enough, feet turns up on these lists sometimes, which is not clear your own feet or someone else's feet. But at any rate, a lot of people are afraid of snakes. And, and some people, people are turned on by feet. So go figure that one out, too. It's strange. Like whatever our friends are all about, different. man. <laughs> yeah. Our brains are all different. Yes. But, you know, you mentioned the black racer earlier. We have several of them in my yard and they keep the pests down. Um, they keep the garden healthy. Um, and so most of these species of snakes are very important to our ecosystems. Same with um, rat snakes and corn snakes. Um, yeah, so they're not all fearful. It really was a corn snake, too, which I was lucky. And my uncle, the one who's passed, um, is a herpetologist dude. Like he was, you know, he grew up with iguanas and would stick. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they grew up with everything. And, um, yeah, (laughs) my mom ends up in Africa and unfortunately he never made it over there, but he did Borneo and everywhere, you know? So he was all like, dude, that is one. It is, it is like, there was some specific marking, you know, it's like now, you know, we're back East now we're out in the Appalachian area. And so now I'm learning about copperheads. I learned about a cotton mouth when I, got too close with my camera and like that's why we have telephoto lenses like in a swamp you do not want I'm like oh you know hello um and he was like hello and I'm like oh, hello <laughs> and maybe not you know um maybe back off but um copperheads it's really interesting because they get you know even certain rattlesnakes as soon as someone sees a marking they think you know hey it's a rattlesnake and sometimes it's a bull snake a king snake you know what I mean and they're harmless snakes you know and they're Absolutely. really good king snakes and bull snakes are awesome like racers right. and you right. know but um the copperhead i've now learned it's the hershey kiss that yeah that's for, true. right the hershey kiss mm-hmm. yes 
So the yeah. snakes in my book are adorable and harmless, of course. So there's banana splits, the yellow uh, ball python. There's um, unicorn, the eastern indigo, which is extremely oh. rare, fascinating snake um, that lives in the Ocala area here in Florida. And bandit, the eastern bandit um, king snake. And they they go missing, as I said, at the same time that this troubled young man goes missing. That's crazy because if you're going to steal snakes, like, you know, like you, you have to know snakes. You can't just, you know, make them up, make them cartoons. No, but the reason that these were stolen was because they are very gentle and docile. They are the serpentarium owners, money makers, if Mm -hmm. you will. She has these educational programs and she passes these snakes around hand to hand, lets children look at them and learn about them. And when they're stolen, it really um, threatens her livelihood, and she thinks of them as part of the family. So it's yeah for her as well. Yeah, like you've got your baby there too. I mean, that's yeah. amazing. You know, I I love that, and I love that you're working with turtles and helping them. And we lived out in Joshua Tree area. It was the same thing with the desert tortoises. You know, oh, and people wow. are like, "Why do people have to risk it?" And I'm like, "Don't touch the tortoise. You do not touch the tortoise." And someone was asking me about that. I'm like. You touch them, then they get kind of banished. And, and at, over there, crows mm-hmm. and ravens would go after them, too, mm-hmm. after the wow. babies and stuff out in the wow. desert. So it was a whole different thing. I would love to see that species. That sounds amazing. Oh. We yeah, have to go for friends, tortoises yeah. here, and people are always trying to put them in the ocean, thinking they're sea turtles, and it's unfortunate. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, you got both. I mean, that whole stretch going from like Pensacola all the way to Jacksonville, Merritt Island and that whole area in St. Augustine to me is amazing. And St. Augustine, what drew you to that city? Yeah. So I had taken a workshop with the Florida novelist Connie Mae Fowler. Uh, she wrote A Million Fragile Bones and When Women Had Wings and a number of other books. And it was just very enriching, inspiring workshop with so many other talented writers and St. Augustine is just such an interesting city. You said at the beginning of this um, broadcast it's the oldest America's oldest city. Um and so it it sort of stimulated my imagination being there and working with Connie. Um so there was that and then I have to come across that um CNN segment about the man who lost his life in a police encounter in Dallas. Um and that caused me to think about um, that phenomenon, how those mm. events can come to be and mm. what leads up to them. Um, and then finally, the thing that inspired me was reading a book by Laura McBride called We Are Called to Rise. If you haven't mm-hmm. read that one, love it. it's been out a few years, um, but it is similar to St. Augustine. It's about community and about mm-hmm. a bunch of very diverse characters who all sort of eventually um coalesce um, and yeah so so I began to think about the, the the specific craft elements she used to write that book she's using rotating point of view um, she, she's telling a couple of different storylines throughout the course of the book uh, but they all are very cleverly uh, pulled together in the end um, and so yeah, there's, I just wanted that's to a do technique. that as an exercise yeah. yeah that's a technique to do you know especially mm-hmm. At the same time, it being a mystery, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to keep all that. And it's all part of it. You know, it's like, you know, and, it, and 
getting characters together too that you know you wouldn't always think and I mean I would never have thought that I'd start a book off in the Serpentarium either you know (laughs) well Well, and it moves fast I mean that's what I just I love it when you get a book and it's like music you know you put the new album in and you're immediately hooked I love that it's like oh and we're off to the races you know this is cool. And, and yeah. I may or may not even make it to the interview with the author because oh. I'm in it. <laughs> good. Well, so, I'm glad. Thank you so, for reading, Lisa. Oh, so. I'm, I'm not done yet. And that's a good thing. Both Nancy and I are really bad about opening our mouths too much because oh. we'll, you know, we, we like to. No spoilers. I don't want to be the spoiler and, and I do. And they'll get, well, this character did this over and then, no. So we get part way through and then we're allowed to finish it. That's our, like our treat. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, okay. So I'll you lay know. my favorite David um, Thoreau quote on you is um, to read well. That is to read true books with a true spirit um, is a noble exercise. And so Ooh. I really think that readers make the world a better place because reading enriches our society it gives us a life of the mind mm. um, which is so important if you think about it if we don't have a life of the mind we have a life of consumerism only and that's and people telling you, telling you what you should believe and not believe right. even right. if it's your own friends and family right, right. can try and over influence and what happens on your own and and i think it's really important as kids like i was a bookworm like a total crazy like let me out of school so I could go home and read person, you know, you know, it's like sickening, you know, but (laughs) no, No, but you go and I learned and I read books like, you know, I think I read war and peace was, I was like nine years old or something stupid. I didn't understand half of it, but I read it, you know, and I, and half of it I did. And, you know, now I have to reread it again. And I think we're actually recording on Leo Tolstoy's birthday today. Um, So birth anniversary, I should say, but, well, you know, it's like when you when go. you think think about it, sometimes you have to read books more than once as well. And I love that. Do you do that where you read more than I once? I do, for sure. Yes. Yeah. Um, the Laura McBride book that I mentioned, I read it for fun. And then I read it to look at the specific techniques oh, yeah. she was using. And I did the same thing with Barbara Kingsolver's um, Pigs in Heaven, which is another book that kind of inspired this particular story. Um Again, about community, about people coming together to help each other. Mm. Well, you've got to do the Poisonwood Bible. Have you done oh, that? Yes. Read that? Yeah, that's a challenging book. It's been a little mm-hmm. while. But, um, I have read that three times and gotten to the same part and I have to start over again. You know, it's <laughs> like, but it, it's, um, I, I just, I, it's one of those books where you just really just enjoy each page. Like, you know, it's a slow read mm-hmm. and fast or slow, like yours to me moves really fast, you know, and it's going to be one of those that you reread again because it moves fast. And then you're like, wait, but there's, it's really good. Like you want to, you don't want to miss some of the, the tech, like you're, you're artful in how you do it. That that's the word it's artful. So yet you Thank have you. momentum, awesome. which I think that is a very interesting balance. Look at it as music, right? This really mm-hmm. good song that's rocking and, doing this but then you're going dang there's these little notes over here that i want to hear so you have to go back and re-listen and it's like a whole new song so it's very layered yet it moves with this momentum because it has to because that's the kind of book it is and then slow move fast you know so it's a dynamic um yeah yours is going to be one of those you read again and i don't think 
I think slow or fast is according to what the book is supposed to be, right? Yes, and I um, had a class once in which a teacher said to me, always set the clock ticking for every scene. Make sure you know what the protagonist wants, urgently wants, and give him or her a deadline, some sort Mm. of reason why they have to get it done within a certain period of time. And I think that helps with the pacing to keep the story momentum going forward. So I'll try to end on a little bit of a cliffhanger at the end of every um, chapter. (laughs) It does. I mean, and to be able to connect with a character so quickly, I think that's also, I mean, to be able to do all of that fast within, especially the beginning of the book, and then be able to continue that momentum throughout the entire book. You know, they always say, oh, the beginning is the most important, right? But if you lose steam, well, that sucks. And then people get pissy because it's like, I invested not only buying a book, but now my time. And, right. you know, it's like last night we, we started watching a movie. People have talked about, and we're both sitting there going, I fell asleep. I'm like, this is pathetic. And it's got some very big name. I'm not going to say the name because other people think it's great. Big name people. And I'm like, this is pathetic. Like this is so much of a mind drivel that you've you've got you've got no ticking clock. Right. I think I know the movie you're talking about, but we, yeah, we won't <laughs> we won't I mention just, it. <laughs> I know. I just was like, what? What? This because it's actually from a famous book too, and I'm like, what? Yeah. This is pathetic. And uh, no, yeah. And yeah. I actually I I fell asleep, and this morning woke up, and I said to Nancy, I'm like, what did we watch last night? I can't remember anything. And he was like, no, it was this, this, this. And I'm like, totally unmemorable. that's how bad it was. Yeah. yeah. And so, that's a sad thing. That's a sad, and not everything's for everyone, right? But it's a sad thing. And when you're in a book and you love the beginning, and if it loses steam, mm-hmm. that just sucks. You get upset. Well, the writers always talk about the muddy middle, right? You get to the, you have a great idea, you have a great premise, you get to the muddy middle, and oh, what's going to happen next? Um, I had a really great writing group for this book. Um, mm. They are all published authors, and they really helped me through that period when I was struggling to get to the crest of the hill, you know, <laughs> so get to the climactic scene, and then wow. um, wrap things wrap things up. So any writers that are listening to this, I really recommend them um, to to reach out to people that they respect and admire in the field and see if you can get some critique workshop going because it'll help. Yeah, um, get the critiques. You get it because don't don't be don't get personal with it. You know what I mean? Don't take it right, right. don't yeah. it's gonna move you to where you want to go, right? right? Yeah, absolutely. You That's know, why people focus groups and stuff right it's the same thing exactly i know you've heard about writers who are plotters they sit down and outline everything very careful in advance and those that are pantsers they fly by the seat of their pants so that it's more of a discovery process and i'm kind of in the middle so Mm. i i write to a north star i have an idea of what the climactic scene is going to be and then i have to backtrack and figure out what could have happened to lead up to that moment um, and so that's just the way I do it, but it, it's a partial discovery process. Therefore, that's that fun. Second 
draft to have to change people's genders and names and you know where they live. <laughs> so, well, yeah, I mean, but that's but you're getting to that's that I think creates the momentum because you obviously have this journey going that creativity is taking lead, yeah, yeah. and then you have to go in and kill the babies, which sucks. The editing part is Longer, like, oh, I really the want the. Right. God, I hate that. I hate it on anything. Like you know, even you know, you really no, it sucks. But you have to do it at times. You have to just, you know, you really wanted this one thing or make, it could even be what started the whole book. Right. The idea for the book is actually sometimes has to go out the window for some people. I don't know if you've heard that happen to people, oh, but it absolutely. has. Yes. That's yes. rough. Yes. You know, I really respect that you've also taken the writing career very seriously in regards to doing, you know, the academic side getting, you know, a group to read your work and, and studying it and studying other authors. It seems you're taking it very, very seriously, which some people say just fly by the seat of the pants and hope it'll all work out, which mm -hmm. isn't always fair to the reader. So I really appreciate your diligence in the craft because well, the craft you. is bloody, sweaty and painful and beautiful. <laughs> yes, right. Pretty much times. all the emotions. That's right. And it's a little isolating too. So it's good to work with others and get out there to conferences. Um, yeah. And, you know, another thing I, I like to mention, Lisa, is that I think the, the literary fiction field is, can be kind of, um, exclusive. So those mm. of us that have the funding to go get an MFA have gone to get one, but there are a mm -hmm. lot of different voices out there that deserve to be heard and are equally um, worthy of, of reading. And so I just always say, you don't have to spend money. There are free online opportunities. There are other writers in, in the area that would be willing to just get on the Zoom call with you mm -hmm. and, and critique your work. Um, so. Like like the Sisters in Crime organizations and places mm -hmm. like that. Those are right, affordable, right, you know. Right, exactly. We've done a lot with out of Tucson, Arizona. The Tucson Sisters in Crime have come on our show a lot. We've had a ball with them. And it's like every time they come on, it's like, what's your murder weapon? Oh, today I'm killing someone with poison. One lady came on. You came on with a snake. I've had a lady come on. <laughs> Elaine Powers with an iguana. We've had one lady come on with a gun and like literally like I'm going to get you. I'm like, dude, what are we doing on these shows? I don't <laughs> right, know. But right. the women, the women in crime seem to be a little freakier than the men in crime. I don't know what it is, but women when they're in crime, yeah. they get dirty, man. They get down and dirty. Like, really? What is it? Like there's a is it a mental thing? I don't know what it is, but women in crime there's something going on yeah. about plotting and just some twisted stuff, man. That's <laughs> just powered by the, by the fiction. Yeah. That's a good group. I've met a few yeah. people with them. So cool. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us and congratulations on the book being out. Everyone again, it's gingerpinholster.com is the website. Uh, Ginger Pin Holsters also on Facebook under the same name, a Ginger Pin. Listen, by the way, I love your last name, Pin Holster. Is <laughs> that you. like, it's, is that a genuine family name? It I was, have to ask. Um, Espinosa, my first um, ancestor okay. landed in St. Augustine some hundreds of no years ago. No way. <laughs> yeah. Espinosa, and they have a sibilant S in Spain, so they came Pin Holster. Wow. That's really cool, man. So your family heritage goes there. That is, that's some deep history. That is cool. So at Ginger Pin Holster again on Facebook, Ginger Pin on Twitter or X, whatever it's called. 
X marks the spot. <laughs> Whatever's going on there. And Instagram is gingepin. So keep up with her there. And of course, her website. And we want to thank booksforward.com uh, or Books Forward, everyone over there for just being awesome partners and getting voices out there, literary voices that are amazing. Um, I, I just, we're always blown away with the um, writers that they work with. It is just always quality. Always quality. Amazing. You know, Thank it's you amazing. so much. You're, you're Thank a you. pleasure. It's a pleasure to speak with you, and you're doing so many interesting things. I appreciate oh, your support. Thank you. You too. Thank you for joining us. Everyone, keep up with us at BigBlendRadio.com. Thanks for joining us.